now. Episode 15, As Incense Burns, and I am your humble host, Sean P. Wright. And on this installment, I'll be making a segue into the realm of genealogy, one of my areas of expertise. After all, family members and people in scattered places on the globe know me under the moniker as an ancestor whisperer. Or, as my cousin Pat once said, dead or alive, if they're related to us, Sean will find them. May not be too far from the truth, but one of the things that I will address on this episode are just some of the many misconceptions about genealogy, especially as it pertains to black people. One of the things that nearly derailed my journey into finding my people actually came in the form of my people. There were pockets of dissension, people that told me that there was nothing to find, people that openly mocked my endeavors. But through it all, my ancestors, my elders, they had this this clear sight, this clear-eyed, steely determination that served to be contagious. And I saw it come through so many channels of, of my family throughout the years. And in retrospect, it seems as if they were training me for the day that I would have to take the torch, as my Uncle Calvin once said. But I can't really delve into that without compartmentalizing it a little bit or talking about some of those figures, those people that are larger than life those people that have gone on to their glory. And what I'll share with you is just some recollections from an ongoing series that'll be featured in a upcoming work about the research that I've done on my family history called The Glorious Ones, Finding the Glorious Ones. And when I think of this, the person that has one of the longest shadows is my my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, my big mama. And I wrote about her power and a piece called Those Tides of Fear. Whenever I forget how to be brave, I think of her. Sometimes I gingerly look through this nearly 80-year-old journal written by a 20-something-year-old woman from a small Alabama town, and I feel her fortitude emitting from the pages. A woman who would eventually become my maternal grandmother, my big mama. My big mama gifted me with her daughter, my mother, a debt that I cannot repay. So I swore to honor her until there was no breath left in my lungs. Now, with my big mom, I remember the certainty in her voice whenever it was mentioned. If she was scared of the, of the unknown, 
going to a new place where she didn't know anyone. Leaving the confines of the Jim Crow South for a different type of racism in Chicago. And her answer always inspired me. Shit. Scared? Scared for what? My big mama was thrust into an untentable position, but she pushed back against a backdrop of Jim Crow racism, loss, and World War II. Simply because she was too busy to consort with fear. She picked up and headed north for the promise that Chicago offered, leaving the restrictive confines of the South because it provided a greater chance for up, upward mobility. And my big mama often talked about her refusal to work in certain conditions and to be demeaned. And in the piece she mentioned that I refuse to work in some white folks' kitchen where they treat me worse than the blame dog. That wasn't for me. Hell, I had my own kitchen to take care of. I never knew my big mama to hang her head. Her pride, it was contagious. And she would often delve into one of the reasons that led to her and my great aunts, her sisters, to make the journey to Chicago. And whenever she tell me this story, I sit awestruck as if it was my first time hearing it. When Aunt Lee would visit us down south when we were younger, she would tell us about the black folk having them factory jobs, overtimes, and pensions like them school teachers got. And I said, shit, Chicago, that was the place that was for me. That was how me and your aunties got here. And I would always, and even to this day, I have a picture of my big mama and my great aunts and my great grand aunt Lee, who was one of the people that inspired them to come to Chicago. And they're decked out in the Sunday's best sometime in the mid 1940s. Feel free to subscribe to the paywall on my site where you can see all of the archival and photographic info in this series. But let's continue on. So when the pandemic pokes at my humanity and challenges my resolve, I find myself thinking, what will my big mama do? And I answer as she would. Shit, scared, scared for what? I'm too busy to be scared. And with that, let's bleed into the break. And I'll take a sidebar into the power of dreams and how that helped me in this genealogy journey. So 
thanks for coming back. You didn't have a choice, did you, right? But I really want to flesh out this genealogy thing, and I really want to delve into what I mentioned about dreams. And whenever I mention that with genealogy and my research, a lot of times people will roll their eyes or they'll have a puzzled look on their face. And up to this moment in 2012, I've had a part in mapping out nearly 200 years of my family history on both my maternal and my paternal side. Some instances, it goes back 11 generations. I even have a cousin and she's a wonderful soul. Lives in Wales and she's a poet, go figure. And she takes pictures near the water and somehow cobbles together the the emotive and puts it into prose. Imagine that, the power of genealogy and words and things of that esoteric sort, but that can't be discounted. And given that I'm a writer, I'm always predisposed to putting things on paper and and mapping out my family tree it was something that I had to be I had to be dragged into it kicking and screaming truth be told and I think I may have alluded to this in earlier episodes of the of this podcast feel free to go back and take a look but what we're going to do today there was a there was a there's a series that I, I published in the past it was called whispers of my ancestors and i broke it into multiple parts and this was when i really began to accept my role and i stopped discounting providence has coincidence And in the Whispers of My Ancestors, part three, I kind of delve into where I was at the time because I was I was in a perilous place because I was considering pulling a plug on the whole thing. Over the course of the past couple of years, I found myself on the receiving end of what seems to be an omnipresent query. What did you get out of this genealogy thing? You're here. What does it matter about where you've come from? Coming to terms that many people, some of my family members included, could care less about this journey of discovery and the edification of the shoulders that we stand on was a sobering realization initially. And I wonder, do our ancestors matter? Do they glide our steps? It was an epiphany of sorts when I realized that they do and that I had a responsibility 
as a writer, to serve as their proxy, to give voice to them. It was then when I understood why it was necessary. And with this knowledge, I was able to find peace with my role. Essentially, this is about honor, something which is extremely important in a world that seems to be devoid of it. And strangely enough, I remember when the realization hit. It was a hair rush of sorts, but unfortunately it was not a rush of the euphoric variety. In January of 2014, I sat on the rocks at the shoreline of the Gunpowder River as I watched the water rush by. Slightly oblivious to the cold bite of winter on my skin, I found myself wandering through the caverns of my mind trying to reconcile these feelings and the epiphany that it made itself known in no uncertain terms. That I was a man lost, suffocating in the fog that was a crisis of consciousness. I committed the cardinal sin of pledging loyalty and abdicating who I was to a faceless entity. I procured my identity, my sense of self, not to a person or an idea, but to an organization that did not have the capacity to love me back. And I felt foolish for allowing myself to be manipulated in such a fashion. And the cobwebs began to loosen. Like many people, I tumbled headlong down the slippery slope of taking my identity from a place of employment. Confusing the relationships in the workplace has familial, family-oriented, rather than transactional. I had foregone nearly a third of my life wandering there and I was certain that I would never be able to secure redemption for the treason committed against myself. I stopped writing during my time in this place. I stopped because I was convinced that my loyalty would allow me to climb a ladder that wasn't there for me. Writing would only complicate that effort, I reasoned. Besides, I had an MBA and an undergraduate degree in journalism. I had tenure, I won awards, and I had been promoted several times over the years. Moving up was merely a formality. Or so I thought. Now, it served as one of the greatest lessons of my life to bear witness as very people. The very people who I thought had my best interest at heart callously demonstrated the situational nature of our relationship. This epiphany led to a round of soul searching that forced me to confront the contradictory forces that threatened to sabotage the person that I needed to evolve into. Their disaffection taught me that I had blissfully swam in the warm waters of complacency with sycophants and parasites without taking the necessary measures to protect myself and I hated who I become.
It was against this backdrop that my ancestors saw fit to pull me into the orbit of doing something that I would have been inclined to scoff at in my previous incarnations. A commitment to an ongoing act of selflessness. These brittle foundations that I was standing on were mercifully shaken to the ground in an effort to ensure that I would be made whole. And in retrospect, I saw this all with the searing clarity as I sat on this cluster of rocks, fighting the urge to become part of them. It seems that this unconventional path was the one that I had to take and it served to deepen the reserves of faith that weren't at my disposal at the onset of the journey. And I remember sitting there as clearly as the day she spoke them. I remember the last words from my Aunt Lillian decades ago that served to, to break disconnect from reality. Her telling me, Nephew, if you got a story to tell, you better tell it. You don't got all day to be sitting around on your rump. We only here for a little bit. And interestingly enough, I was there, sitting on my rump. And my recollection of a surreal dream from a couple of days prior was still fresh in my mind. When I was told find their children. This dream was different than the others that I had as I struggled to make sense of the why and what it meant. I lifted myself up from my seated position and I continued down the winding path that led away from the river and out into the forest. And I resolved never to look back. Nearly three years later, the purpose of their outreach couldn't be clearer. My foundation needed to be comprised of the elemental forces of honor, love, and purpose. And what better medium than the very thing that served to define and save me many times over? That of family and my working on the behalf of my ancestors. Expanding the footprint of my family has served to be equal parts redemptive and restructive and instructive, bearing witness to the resolve, love, and loyalty that were littered throughout the stories that my grandmother, great aunts, and uncles, and parents regaled me with was surreal at first. And I saw them brought to life time and again. Seeing reflections of other family members in the faces and mannerisms of others filled me with awe and a sense that something bigger was in the works. We were scattered around the country and on different parts of the globe, and it was appropriate that it took my finding them to reconfigure what I thought was the broken pieces of my pieces of my foundation, changing it into something more powerful, powerful than I could have ever imagined. 
It was a miracle of the highest order that I was able to find myself in a measure of redemption in something so priceless and something that is often taken for granted. My blindness caused me to take it for granted. That most important organizational construct, the business of family. I worked for my ancestors and in tracing their steps and telling their stories and finding their children. It is through that that I honor them. And that is the best job ever. I wrote this in spring of 2017. And it rings especially true here. History repeats, especially in families. Now, I did, I did promise, or I did commit to fleshing this out. Genealogy, and I also alluded to dreams. And that may raise a lot of eyebrows, and and I don't mean dreams in the esoteric sense, or, or maybe I do, but I've been at it. And I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. I've been at my family trio. I've been tracing my roots over 10 years, maybe over the course of the past eight, things got very serious. And it led up to me being this genealogist, this griot, this storyteller of my of my people. One of the greatest honors of of my life, I may add. And when I think think back on the road that led to it, many of the dreams bared it out. And every time I had a dream or one of these dreams, I would document it. I would would write about it. That's because that's what I do, I'm a writer. And I've shared this on a couple of occasions with with people. And some have attested to picking up what I was laying down. And in other instances, I've had people roll their eyes at me as if I was speaking Greek or whatever that language Eddie Murphy was speaking on. Delirious. You know, the the whole part about his aunt. That's a podcast for another day, but I digress. In 2015, I, I wrote about one of those pokes that led me down the path of finding my folk, of finding my people. And it was a piece called On Their Shoulders is uh, a 2015 election uh, reflection. 
And I dug this out of the crates because when it happened, I I I discounted it. I I pushed it to the pushed it to the side as uh one of those coincidences, but let me share this with you for the purposes of just demonstrating that those best laid plans often have a mind of their own because I never ever intended on being a genealogist the year 2015 gave birth to a new chapter in my life one of the highlights of 2015 was my discovery of time travel strangely enough I always thought it would be in the form of a Back to the Future movie, but this, this was more powerful than going 88 miles an hour and disappearing in a flash of light. It was a ethereal feeling, one that was nothing short of infectious. My conduit to traversing time were two figures on an age picture from the mid-1800s, a man and his wife, both who could have been slaves in that not too recent past but but who found themselves cloaked in the robes of freedom burning with an inexhaustible fire that would enable them to determine their own destiny they had a regal baron that left me entranced their countenance exuded an air this air of confidence aspirations of what they knew was at their disposal flowed freely through the screen and it was this power that pulled me in I saw the hopes, expectations and uncertainty that the future promised the future promised to them etched on their faces and it was this reality juxtaposed against a stifling environment in the aftermath of the Civil War that promised African Americans nothing but a struggle to procure what was their right to do more than just exist to to be consequential to be architects to the bridges of their future They, they wouldn't know that this would be a power long denied to them my gaze was locked into theirs despite thinking and convincing myself otherwise that I couldn't shake the feeling of knowing that they were looking back at me I stand as a representation of those hopes and the expectation that they held dear humility informs me that I can only hope to be worthy of standing on the shoulders of these noble people. This couple, there were more than indiscriminate faces on a computer screen. They are my third great grandparents and the joy that coursed through my veins upon finding them, it, it lose explanation because it ended up explaining a lot. I saw these same people in a dream a couple of weeks prior a couple of days had elapsed after finding this portrait of my ancestors when I had a dream about the two of them where they implored me to find their children I was walking in the park 
and the woman was walking down the embankment and she asked me if I had seen her children. And I replied that I didn't, that I just got it into the park and I continued up the trail. And I saw this woman again and she asked me if I had seen her children. And again, I replied no and continued up the trail. I was headed to the top of the trail where there was a waterfall. And maybe after the third time, I saw the woman again and she asked me to find her children and I told her I hadn't seen them. And as I continued up, after looking back to make sure that the woman passed, a man was rushing down the trail towards me and he asked me if I had seen their children. And I said no. And I asked him to ask the woman that had just went down the path. And I continued walking on, but I looked back to make sure that the man had was walking away. As I continued up the path, they locked their came from behind me and they locked their arms in mine and led me over to an embankment where the water flowed into the park and we looked downward and they pointed towards a group of people waving enthusiastically in our direction and they were shouting yelling and saying something they they were all happy though But we couldn't hear him. I couldn't hear him because the water that was flowing into the valley drowned out the sound. And after we surveyed the crowd, we made our way back from the embankment and onto the path where they released their grip and repeated. Find our children. The most powerful messages are those that are unspoken or those that come to us in our dreams. It wasn't until the waning days of this month that I realized what they weren't trying to impart. Since the spring of 2015, I've traced seven generations of my family across the United States, accounting for more than 200 people who are descendants of those two people on the age photo from the mid-1800s letting them down isn't an option now I wrote this in 2015 now if you had told me in 2015 that this would would manifest in the way that it did I would spit my drink in your face But let that sit. And then I'll bring it into the present. Okay. Now I know what you're thinking. 
two people in a dream take you over to embankment people yelling down the waterfall at you yeah that that's that's a little surreal but that was kind of how it all began on one of those sparks now if you go to www.seanpwrites.com and there's a link on the on the, at the beginning of this podcast I have pictures of these places because I'm a visual person as well and that's part of my creative process that's how I'm able to pull the narrative from it if I have an image from it but what was most surreal about that dream I need to touch on this those same people that were waving up at us on the from the bottom of the the valley years later I ended up taking a picture and when I later went through the pictures those same people waving in the crowd was a collection of my cousins from the last day of a family reunion event And the only thing different about that image when I saw it was that I was in the middle of the crowd. And that let me know that the ancestors are busy. And that's a perfect segue into this last piece, this last segment here. And this is something that I wrote in the present Actually, in 2019, this was after a final family reunion event before the pandemic came. And it was a piece called The Ancestral Paths, Finding Their Children. As I stood on the land where my ancestors walk, the awe that used to fill me in the early days of my genealogy research had gradually been supplanted with the sense of muted expectation as many of the roadblocks that had presented themselves over the years often gave way to a breakthrough. Given this false impression that connecting the various branches of my family tree was a seamless process. Over the years, I took on the moniker of the ancestor whisperer. Because again, they they said that dead or alive, if they're related to us, Sean will find them. And in this piece here, I have some pictures of the rolling hills in this small northeast Alabama town where my family and I gathered on this day. And this represented over 200 years of shared history on the maternal line, my family tree. The land where my great-grandparents built a home in the midst of the Great Depression still stands, and it's in the hands of my family. And in this piece, there's an image of me. Kneeling on the ground where my ancestors walked touching it with my hands. I knelt and said a silent prayer while 
my hands were on the ground to let the ancestors know that I had gathered their children like, like they asked. And we were acknowledging the foundation that they had laid, an inexhaustible love of family that has sustained us for generations. I cried. Real talk I did while smiling because I recalled every dismissive comment that I had fielded from the time that I committed to following the winding roots of my family tree wherever it led. People laughed. I heard stuff like Black people in America only go back two generations or three generations at most. There are better things to do with your time. You're opening yourself up to a world of heartache. You better off hiring somebody to do that. What the fuck is it with you and this hobby of yours? You do know that other people in the family have tried and there's nothing to find. Now, I would be disingenuous if I didn't acknowledge that the commentary fed doubts that began to wear on me. But fate saw fit to intercede in the form of my elders and the ancients. Because just being able to touch that ground and and see the perseverance that allowed us to be. It made it all worth it. Hey, but that's what I got for episode 15. I'm going to put a Q&A up on this uh, episode so you can bounce some questions off of me because I know we touched on a lot of things here. And, uh, I appreciate you uh, hanging out with me for a bit as I delved into genealogy. And with these questions that you have, I'll be able to focus any future episodes about genealogy. And we can uh, help you find your roots if you so choose. And with that, I bid you a fine farewell. And I am your humble host, Sean P. Wrights. You always have find me here at the water's edge as the incense burns. Y'all be safe out here.